Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Studio Sweden Headphones. This year, I committed to better quality all around. I love some good sound, and I am absolutely obsessed with my Studio Sweden Regent headphones. I wear them to record each and every conversation I have with the incredible guests you have on this podcast, and I snagged a pair of the Trey headphones for my husband for Christmas. He is in luck. We also have a special discount for you, Radiant 15, that you can use over at Studio Sweden to grab your a pair of their rockin' headphones. So I've linked that up in the show notes and it's businesses like Studio Sweden that bring the Radiant Podcast to you. So go show them some love. Welcome back to another week at the Radiant Podcast. This week, I am so excited to introduce you to a new friend, Sarah Perkins, co-founder of Designer Share. She is based in Chicago and truly a girl boss, so I know you're going to love this episode. It is packed with so many golden nuggets, and I think her and I just resonated with one another. It was one of those conversations where you felt instantly connected because you had walked similar paths and could just so relate to both the pain and the joy, and so I know you're going to love this conversation and totally be able to hear our connection and how we resonate with one another. And I hope you resonate as well. I would love to hear your thoughts from this episode, but without further ado, let me introduce you to Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Kelsey. How are you? Good. I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to meet and connect where I can get to know you more. And I'm excited that our listeners get to do that as well. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Of course. I am so curious about Designer Share, and I would love for you to kind of start by telling your story, um, what your journey's been, how you got to where you are with launching Designer Share, but all the, you know, the preamble to that as well. Absolutely. So Designer Share is the first truly peer-to-peer marketplace for women to rent their designer clothing and accessories to one another. And uh, we started off here in the Chicagoland area where I grew up, um, always grew up loving fashion and had such a, um, you know, a fantasy land of all of these beautiful clothes I would see uh, in movies and on TV and even reading about certain characters from books that I wanted to emulate all of these powerful women. And it tends to come from the inside out. So not only having confidence inside, but this feeling that you can really take on the world just from portraying to everyone what you're really there to do. And so um, also grew up loving to write and had told myself I'm going into the publishing industry. Um, so I got a marketing degree from Santa Clara university out in the Bay area, uh, thinking that no one would hire an English major. I did an English minor with that and started off doing that. Um, you know, really started as an editorial assistant then worked my way up to associate editor at the last magazine I was at. And during that time, I was doing lifestyle journalism, um, had gotten my master's in journalism from DePaul here in Chicago. And 
I was approached by a family friend of mine, um, Bill. So he is my co-founder, Bill Meyer of Designer Share. And um, we've known each other for so long. And that was something I had mentioned to you when I sent over some of those preliminary questions of fate and how this all works out. Um, I met Bill because he practiced law with my dad for a very long time. And um, he helped me actually prep for college interviews. So nothing, <laughs> no, nothing better than having a litigator prep you, right? Um, <laughs> so that's how I knew him, just as one of my dad's closest confidants. And um, he had said to me, you know, I really I want to do something new with my life. He's just turned 50 this past week. Happy again, birthday to Bill, and uh, said, you know, I want a new journey and thought he wanted to do something entrepreneurial. So he applied to University of Chicago, where he is finishing up his MBA program this coming spring, and said, I want to do something in the sharing economy. But, and thought about clothing too, as you know, this area that really hasn't been touched upon that much um, outside of the uh, big, the big company we all know, which is Rent the Runway, but they aren't truly peer to peer. They are more of a traditional, um, mar- you know, not marketplace, but more of a, a place for women to go shopping, essentially. But in a rent, but in a rental form. And when he mentioned this, I said, "This is something I was doing for free with my girlfriends in college all the time. I was in um, a co-ed business fraternity, Alpha Kappa Psi, and Rent the Runway had just." I think launched the fall that I started college. So it didn't really pick up steam until towards my later years. And I only used it once, but I was buying mid-level designer dresses then for all the events I'd have to go to. And I would have people ask me, I really love that. Can I wear it for the next thing? So I was doing this without any monetary gain and um, things were coming back scotch-free which you think at that age is when people are going to be more irresponsible, but people really took care of my pieces really well. Um, and so when he said that, I, you know, we kind of realized we'd been thinking of the same idea <laughs> and how to do wow. this. Yeah. So that was almost two years ago now. So that was in the fall of 2015. We became incorporated then at the, in December of 2015. And I still had my editorial job. So I was working on designer share maybe once or twice a week, driving 30 miles north sometimes up to my hometown of Lake Bluff where Bill still lives and working on this with him and really studying our competition. What we would, you know, what I would want to see is someone who I think I consider part of our target demographic um, and how the service would really work. So over time, you know, over last summer, we said, if we really want to get this up and going and actually happening, we're going to have to take the jump. (laughs) So um, September 1st is when I quit my job and started doing designer share full time. We now have a staff of five and we launched March, our site, March 31st here in the Chicagoland area. So we serve a 35 mile radius here and we do free door to door delivery. So as we grow, we want to continue, you know, expanding our reach and even move to other cities and then start to connect the cities and then nationally and then hopefully internationally. Very cool. So what have been some of the coolest stories you've seen with kind of women connecting with women through designer share this year and, you know, one woman wearing, you know, another woman's piece to an event? 
And and is it only women's wear or is it men as well? So we've started with women because we feel that the problem hits women the most. Um, This idea that appearances really do end up mattering no matter how much we want to pretend that they don't. And that um, we have more pressure put upon us by society, by the media, by our peers. And that if women can feel more confident on a regular basis, so not just for special occasions or for a black tie event, we can take on our goals socially and professionally, you know, with that confidence that we look great, we feel great, and we're ready to do better from there. Uh, I think some of the coolest stories have really been um, when I hear, you know, I put something on and I felt so amazing. Um, One of our really early rentals, even though we're still early, we're still less than six months from launch, but um, we actually dressed a blogger for the premiere, the world premiere of Cars 3. So she's <laughs> she's a mommy blogger and needed something fabulous for the red carpet. And so we were able to find her a dress and she was able to take pictures. So that was a really cool experience. Um, Besides that, we've also been used by stylists on photo shoots. So there's nothing better than seeing someone who's a professional who loves fashion and says, you know, this is my job, but I don't have funds to be buying these high-end pieces, but I want, you know, the looks to come together and be seen as really high-end and high-quality. And then they're able to rent from us and really show off the looks. So then the person who owns the piece, she's able to say, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I was used in an ad campaign where my, my handbag was used on a set. So that's been really exciting, I think. That is so neat. I yeah. love that. And I, I love what you're doing because I, I do think there's a need for it. And it would be, you're, you're right. In college, you're going to those events. Everyone shares dresses for the next event. And this is a more formal way to orchestrate something that's already being done um, with, you know, systems that help it come back, you know, in one whole piece, um, clean, people each make a little bit of money. So there's win-win to that. So I think that is so cool. And I can't tell you how many times that, you know, I went to a black tie wedding this year and I was scrambling to find a dress for it. And so, because my day-to-day life is definitely not black tie. (laughs) So, I, I think there's such a need for this, and I love that it's peer-to-peer. I think you guys are tapping into something that is so cool. So something you mentioned um, as we chatted earlier, um, it's that you said that you have acquired certain skills and experiences in life that you never thought could be possible. Could you tell me about that? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this idea that my mom brought this up to me a few months ago. I was just telling her how passionate about this company I am and how much I think about it all the time and how much I want it to succeed because I really want to see other women out there not only be entrepreneurs from home, but feel great regularly and then have this idea that we're lifting each other up through fashion instead of tearing each other down because that tends to be how it's portrayed that we're all pitted against one another. So she said, do you feel like you were always meant to do this? And I said, maybe I was. Maybe everything I've always liked in life and the activities I've done and all those little skills that you build, even in things that you don't think are related to something like building a business, can all come together. I think one of them is even teamwork and leadership. And that's 
I think was acquired through sports. I loved swimming growing up. I joined track in high school in addition to that. And all of that was, even though you were being an individual and you had your own goals, it was overall serve, you know, service, serving um, a bigger group as a whole. And you had the same goals of just doing well and being there for each other. And then other things such as, you know, being even in business school where I thought, you know, I'm not so, I'm okay at arithmetic, but I'm not so great at math in general. All of those formulas have come back to me. They got dusted off somehow when we were even putting together a pricing analysis. I thought, okay, how do you, um, you know, really apply all of this and make us better than the competition? So it really comes down to um, just looking at things in your everyday life and thinking about how you can be smarter and apply them quicker. Um, And I actually attribute a lot of my ethics and business acumen to even journalism school because you learn a lot about research and fact-checking and making sure that everything you're doing is backed up and correct. And so I don't ever like putting numbers out there that are just a guess. We always have to find a way to really really back them up, especially when we're talking to investors. So I think kind of all of these small things in life that I wasn't really thinking would lead up to this have have helped me in a big way. That is so cool. And what have you taken away from other jobs, whether they were related or not, um, to bring into designer share? What have you learned along the way? Because I know in my experiences, some of my most painful seasons in the workplace that were just brutal prepared me for what I'm doing today. Like I would never take them back. Yeah. I think really a sense of professionalism and that came from previous jobs and also the business fraternity I was in learning how to speak publicly and also how to interact with others, especially if, um, especially if it's someone that you find you're not getting along that well with, there are plenty of times that you have to really think five steps ahead. So, you know, I think, always thinking ahead. And so you're always thinking strategically too about your next step. Um, that's how I always took previous jobs too, is, you know, I like this, I like what I'm doing, but where am I going to go from here? And that's how you have to think of a startup too, is never just the moment you're in, which you should appreciate the present, but always thinking ahead and always thinking forward and just taking into the I I don't even like to think of them as mistakes as much as just learning experiences to say, okay, this one thing worked, this one thing didn't, whether it's within your team or whether it's a marketing strategy you're trying out. Absolutely. You know, a term that has resonated a little bit with me lately has been um, the term failing forward. Does that mean anything to you in your journey thus far? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, and something I mentioned to you before today, today's talk was um, this idea that the entrepreneurial journey can be turned into such a fantasy. People think that everything happens so quickly and I can even get impatient with myself. Like why aren't, you know, certain things happening faster? And a lot of that has to do with patience. And a lot of it has to do with testing and trying so many things that don't actually work. And I think a lot of people don't see those things. They ask you how it's going and you're like, it's going great. And You don't say, but this didn't work and this didn't work and we don't see traction here. Um, (laughs) You know, it's really about figuring out what works for you and making that a repeatable process, I think, in terms of growth. 
Totally. So I love something you just touched on is figuring out what works for you. How do you stay in your own lane when you see people launching new ideas that look great or sparkly or shiny? And how do you deal with comparison and staying in your own lane for your journey with Designer Share? Absolutely. I think part of my personal lane and something that we also um, enforce within our team is being happy, healthy, and productive. So really having a sense of balance and knowing that, you know, you have to keep yourself in good shape or else you're not going to be able to be productive. So even this weekend, I was, I slept a lot over Labor Day weekend. I just slept and part of me felt guilty that I wasn't working more, but then I thought, well, I have to do this in order to work better. Um, And in terms of other people and what you're seeing, it can be really great inspiration, but you do have to stick to your core values of what not only your business is about, but specifically your industry and what works well for that. So um, we even did a really great brainstorming session the other week and we said, you know, designer share and fashion as a whole, it's part of a lifestyle. So really looking at these other brands that who is this woman that would like us and what is she doing already with her life and where does fashion come into play with that? Whether it's, you know, she considers herself a foodie. She likes a healthy lifestyle, working out. She loves her pet. She loves photography and traveling. Where does high-end fashion fit in, whether she owns it or whether she's coveting it? Um, and so we look to a lot of brands for partnering, um, So we do stay in our own lane, but we say there are ways we can cross-promote each other. And that's our way of enforcing our mission of uplifting other women as well. So we do look to women-led businesses, women-focused businesses, in how we can really help each other. Very cool. I love that. I, I really do. So one thing you have mentioned is that you really enjoy, um, chatting about fundraising for women-led and women-focused endeavors. Um, I, I would love for you to kind of expound upon that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm finding it's, and people have said this too, it's really tough for, for women. Um, and I've always wondered why that is. And I think it's because there needs to be just more women in the landscape in terms of fundraising and investments. Um, So in Chicago, we have a few funds starting up, which are incredible, that are women-led and women-focused. So saying, you know, we are going to put money into you. But I think there just needs to be a little bit more of reaching across that gender aisle and saying, you know, a business is a business. And if it's going to make money and do well and help other people, there should be funding behind it. Um, And it shouldn't matter whether it's for women or as we look to the future, we'd love to expand to men's as well. But, you know, whether it's led by a woman, for women, it should be about the person and about the idea and about the actual business model and whether it's going to work. And there seems to be a lot of times where that can be overlooked because there isn't that almost natural connection. Um, What I've been told is that, you know, men tend to get funded by other men because they feel like they can get to know them as a person better. They there's the saying that there's more money put into the jockey than the horse when it comes to startups. So that is, that is a really, uh, that stands out to me. I will remember that forever. (laughs) (laughs) And it's something that we're even discovering right now. So we're raising a small round, um, to help us move forward with our marketing initiatives and with further development of the site so that we can continue to grow this community. And we're finding it's, 
We're having a lot of connections with women, but also with, you know, I'd say the proud men that stand behind women and say, we want to see more women in business and women led um, ventures because maybe they had not maybe they, they always point to someone they were inspired by or someone who's even currently in their life. Um, and really just closing that gender gap and creating more gender parity. And it can be something uncomfortable to talk about, but, you know, it's such a wonderful experience to learn from. And I'm really appreciative to have such a strong partner next to me who believes in the same things. And, you know, we use that and say we're a team and we do plenty of those meetings together, but there are times that he gets a contact that I say, you know, you take that one on first, you make that personal connection because they're going to see a young woman and maybe not take me as seriously sometimes. Has that been hard? Do you ever feel like because of your age and gender, it you have to prove yourself in a different way than say Bill, who is a 50 year old man? Yeah, I'd say absolutely. I think we prove ourselves in different ways though. And you have to be very careful about how you come off. You you must stay humble throughout the whole process and realize some people, just like in life, you know, aren't going to be the best fit, uh, whether you're trying to work with them or create other uh, different types of relationships. Um, but I do get worried. I also, um, I also look young for my age. And I think that's something too that men or women can face. Um, when someone, you know, I, I just turned 27, but someone plenty of people I just met with on the other week, they said, Oh, are you 21, 22, maybe, or even, <laughs> even younger, you know? Um, and so it's really about showing that it's about finding those people who are quality and intelligent enough to say, you know, I see you as a person and that you have passion and that you're working really hard. And whether they think I'm the right fit for it or not to be leading this type of venture is another opinion of their own, but I want to, I would rather them see me for who I am and what we're trying to do as a, a team together. Um, and I think that's, can be a problem too, with all the women I loved in movies, people tend to portray them as kind of like that hard boss lady. And I definitely don't try to come off that way as in as serious or intense, but the women who are at the top are the most inspiring. And, um, I think they can get a bad rap. So it's like, you're either too nice or you're either too mean. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how would you say you manage the dance of coming across confident to people who you walk into a room, you know, they are sizing you up that, you know, they're making assumptions about you because you're a young woman. Um, how do you dance the fine line of confidence and not trying to overly prove yourself? Because you know, I have been around people who constantly have something to prove and it's like it actually, you know, your respect level decreases at that point. And so I know there must be a very delicate line to have to navigate. Oh, absolutely. And I agree with you with that. And I think it's two things. One, sticking with the facts and what we're able to prove um, is something I always do, especially when I'm pitching. It's just if I get, I get hit with some really hard questions and I stick with everything I know. And if I'm not able to answer, I always respond with, you know, let me, let's talk further about that separately. Um, and in terms of the people that you can tell are trying to prove themselves, um, especially as I'm, I'd say my father is one of my biggest role models and he's always taught me 
um, confidence is quiet. So that means not, not speaking, but letting others take a turn. And really, you know, you don't have to be the one necessarily be being the one talking over everyone or being loud or controlling every part of the conversation, but really, um, really observing so that you can observe the people you're talking to and um, read them and see if it is going well. Um, and that doesn't have to be something that you have to prove. So someone's either going to like, someone's going to like the idea, someone's going to like you or they're not, but you have to take the time to really be listening to other people. And I think that is a way I try to establish confidence, just staying friendly, but also knowing when it is my time to speak and, um, standing, you know, of course, standing up for what I believe in, but also saying, okay, you know, I'm still very, very green in many ways, just even on this earth. So <laughs> it's important to give uh, respect where it's due. Absolutely, man. I, I love, I love, I love what you had to say there because, you know, um, I'm 27 as well. And I, have done a lot of self-work this year about what I believe about myself because when I'm at that place, I've done a lot of self-work this year um, to really get to a place where I believe in myself and I um, can navigate any situation um, without being defined by someone else's opinion of me. Um, and that, that's been hard work, but so fruitful in the sense of, you know, I do want to accomplish, I have quite a long list of dreams I'd like to accomplish. And I know that it starts with me believing I'm capable and that will, you know, there will be a fruitfulness in that, in the sense of, I don't have to prove myself. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. Um, there is a sense of you attract and you repel people. And that's a good thing because you're repelling the people who are not a fit for you. And so, you know, really, I've really done a lot of work this year. Have I'd be curious to hear, uh, hear about, did you have to kind of have help getting to this place of quiet confidence and not proving yourself in this industry? Wow. I, everything you said just really resonates with me too. <laughs> and I think I really believe in energy. Um, and that you do attract what you should be. Um, and I agree too, with when you're able to repel then the things that aren't a good fit. And that does come from just feeling comfortable with yourself. And I think a lot of that comes with age, but I do work with a leadership coach and he's really wonderful. Um, and we talk a lot about my intentions, my personal vision, um, you know, the purpose that I want to have. And so I think it really comes down to kind of this Zen sense of, you know, where do I fit in the world? And when I feel that I'm getting kind of off kilter, off balance, then I look back to that and think, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And a lot of that comes from, I, I gain a lot of happiness seeing the people around me succeed. And that can be good, but it can also mean that I have to work really hard on then not trying to fix other people. <laughs> or yeah. trying to like involve myself too much. And it can be almost a detractor for myself. So I tend to then go like the opposite way of then not taking care of myself because I think, oh, well, I should be serving others. So I shouldn't be doing certain things or treating myself, if that makes sense. So he's been a huge help of just helping me see things from a different perspective and always keeping 
not only my business goals in my line of vision, but also my personal goals and how I want to be feeling and not only feeling, but reacting. That's been a big thing too, is learning that, you know, and I, that does come too as we grow older is learning not to react so quickly to things and, oh, not, yeah. and not having such an emotional reaction. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and how do you navigate? So, you know, this, this is like kind of the second fold of that question. How do you navigate naturally when you attract people? Yes, you're also repelling people and being comfortable with that. And how do you navigate being understood? Because part of repelling people means people don't like you. Um, and for me, people not liking me has been really hard. So, and being misunderstood, being misunderstood is probably the worst thing. So I think this year, um, I've had someone who was a friend tell me I was like a dictator. Um, and you know, the rest of my team said, Kelsey, I really don't experience you that way. I've been, I've experienced grace and compassion and kindness. It's been a joy to work with you, but that was someone's that was, you know, what, what what someone said, and it's so easy to remember the painful comments. And and I am fully willing, you know, I want to, you know, be able to hear comments and criticism and adapt and grow and change. But um, sometimes it's also just off, and that has been really painful to feel misunderstood. And so, how do you handle that? Wow, I. You telling that story, I actually experienced something so similar this year as well. I had, yeah. I had, um, you know, I would say just a parting where I realized there was a certain group of friends that I wasn't meant to be a part of. And I also got this, a similar criticism of control or something along those lines. And I think it really comes down to, you have to think about the person in the other shoe. And that can be really difficult, especially when you feel that pain of, not being understood or people not understanding. I think even the journey when you start some, your own venture, um, that's something I have also felt over the last year and a half is, you know, not this feeling of, you know, Oh, I'm more special than anyone, but sometimes I feel like I can't talk about the things I do feel or the, the anxiety I feel surrounding the entire business. But, um, I think to answer your question in two parts, it's understanding the other person and maybe where they're coming from and trying to be very empathetic of perhaps the pain they're feeling because pain is usually inflicted when there is pain felt. Um, and it usually has nothing to do with you in the end. But if you end up not being good for each other, that's the best time to end any sort of relationship, whether the people bring it out in each other or they perceive something and misunderstand it. Um, and the other part is, it can be really tough. I'm not sure if your friend was a woman, but again, we feel this sense of competition against one another and it's instilled in us at such a young age that we should be jealous of one another. And it, there's something that I've tried really hard to work on over the last few years, and that's working with other women and lifting each other up. And the more, I guess, the buzzword is kind of tribes these days, you find that you can involve yourself in where everyone's focusing on that and really working for one another and really meaning it, the better you're all able to help one another and not feel that pain as much. Um, instead of, I would call it, you know, that happy kind of like family and community versus a click. And there can be totally two very distinct things. And women, we got to get out of the click 
mentality and we got to get back to the community mentality and say we've got it rough enough as it is you know <laughs> we yeah our, our bodies go through things that men don't um none of this is meant to bash men in any sense once whatsoever too but you know we're we're objectified more we're um we were paid less for no reason whatsoever <laughs> you know and so we we've got to come together about these things we can't we can't be battling one another and the second that i even feel that i'm not i'm even thinking thoughts like that about someone else i'm like okay stop doing that stop the judgment pull away from the judgment just know facts and don't totally. and don't create a story about something that's not there until you know all the facts and that come that's where you can separate drama from just living a happy life is just getting things straight and knowing where you stand Absolutely. One thing that you touched on was, you know, a tribe and a community versus a clique. And a lesson that I feel like I've been walking out this year is a lot of people say, you know, there's enough room for all of us to be successful, but to live out that mindset is a whole different ball game. So, you know, when you see someone in your field, two strides ahead of you and you started at the same time. How do you navigate that? Because I have really been working on how to celebrate someone and, and you know, jealousy is not usually something that's on my radar. Like I just, that's just not been a strong suit or a strong, um, struggle for me through life. But, you know, this year, as I see, you know, people who I've kind of grown up together with in this industry, you know, maybe be 10 steps ahead of me right now, I've really practiced celebrating and in knowing that my journey and maybe what I'm learning in my journey is just as important for me to arrive wherever I need to arrive. And maybe they learned that lesson earlier than me or whatever. And so learning to celebrate people when it might mean they're more successful than you. Um, how, how do you live that out? Because I feel like I'm practicing it right now. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from, I just, I look to those women, I'm an inspired men and women and you learn from them. And instead of saying, why not me? You say, i also just study what they're doing. And I ask questions. I say, you know, what worked well for you here? Or how can I get to, you know, what are the practices that are working best for you? Um, and then figuring out if those are then a good fit for me or my team. And um, a lot of the time, it comes down to just how everyone's journey is supposed to play out too. Um, so sometimes people are going to take longer than others. And um, things are going to, things are meant to be how they're meant to be. And that doesn't mean that you don't, you just sit there and wait for things to happen, but there has to be a sense of acceptance that, um, especially because we all don't do the same thing. So right. it, it can be hard to compare when you, um, you know, apples and oranges, essentially. I, I can't look to someone who's not doing a fashion company in Chicago which is also a tough place for fashion in general and say, wow, how did they get funded so quickly? Or how did this person get so much traction? And it's because you just can't compare. All you can do is learn and listen and figure out what's right for you. Um, and then with the people within my industry, I have been trying to connect so much and then create that community where we can help each other because we all need help along the way. Absolutely. And, and I, 
I, I'm so with you. Like there's something to learn from everyone, whether they're 10 steps ahead of you or 10 steps behind you. I think that we look at this as this linear path, but we really can all be learning from one another. And so, um, I, I really want to nail down celebrating other people's success. Um, whether that is, whether that, whether we're neck and neck or whether they're 10 times more successful than me. And so I think, I think that's a practice and a discipline because, you know, it's easy to compete and achieve and achieve and achieve and then compare. And I I just don't want to live out that, you know, routine. It just is not appealing. So I I always love hearing from other people on that subject. Um, One thing you talked about is women who are successful are typically painted a certain way. They're painted cutthroat. Um, They're they're the devil wears Prada, uh, Meryl Streep. And so uh, what do you see changing in that space? You know, for me right now, I'm reading Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. And I am like, oh my gosh, I am so glad she shared that story about crying in the office and me and it not meaning she's weak. Um, and I, I just, I'm really resonating with what she has to say in her book. And I think some things are shifting. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts on what you see shifting in that space. Yeah. And I think this goes for, you know, even our generation is able to, you know, men and women are embracing the fact emotion doesn't mean weakness. There are plenty of times where you have to be composed, but if you have to have a cry, if you're having the worst day or you just heard terrible news, that does not mean that you're embarrassing or a bad person or not up to the job. I actually, uh, we're now in, I'm so pleased we're now working out of the same design studio as our UX team. And um, there was a time we were out of the the biggest incubator here in Chicago, 1871. And there were private rooms there, and I would have to go in and take a cry. And one time, I was scolded for it, not by anyone on my team, but someone who used to be um, in my life and was told, you just hired someone on your team. What are they going to think, the CEO going to cry? And I found out one of my cats had cancer, and... You think if I'm not allowed to cry about that or about, you know, something that just really hits you and someone on my team not able to understand that I had to take a moment, that's not someone that should be working with me the same way I would never, ever um, belittle any of them if they said I had to go take a moment because I'm having a really rough time. And it's because we're all, you should have this balance of professional and personal life and, if you have no personal life, then of course you wouldn't be crying about anything except for, you know, what you're doing professionally. And so, you know, I think there is this embrace that we should be open and transparent. Um, there are things that you should, you know, that you don't discuss, of course, that are in, I would consider kind of inappropriate for the workplace. Um, and to have that line, but if, you know, if someone told me, I'm just, you know, this is what's going on with me, I would gladly listen and offer, um, you know, myself as support. Yeah, absolutely. I think that builds more of a um, bought-in sentiment from your team as well. When people feel like it's a safe environment, that they're not going to be judged for <laughs> expressing emotion. I, I legitimately lived out an experience at a very life 
lesson job (laughs) before I went out on my own where I just cried one day um, because our, our, our whole office was built around job descriptions and you know, that was what they preach. Job descriptions, job descriptions, job descriptions. Yet I was doing four jobs that were not in my job descriptions. And I was working 70 hours weeks doing jobs that were not in my job description and only paid for 35 of those. And so I finally got to a point where I was exhausted. And I, you know, I finally went in and said, you know, our, our office is built around job descriptions and I'm doing, you know, four jobs as one person. And I either would like that taken off my plate or I would like a raise to account for the time I'm putting into this. And she said, well, you, you know, you cried last week and you know, I just, I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. I was shocked. I was utterly shocked. You know, my coworker had a stomach ulcer from the job. I'm crying. If they would have looked around and picked up on the stress of that office environment, they wouldn't have had every employee quit in one day. Um, And so, and that's what happened. Every employee, men and women, quit in one day. And so, um, sometimes it's also a way to take the temperature of your work environment. And so if I can look at someone who's working for me or with me on my team um, and and take their emotional temperature, and obviously there's a time for balance. Like if, if someone is, you know, emotionally unstable, you know, we'll reevaluate. But if they, you know, continue to prove themselves through their work and, you know, what they're bringing to the table, um, I think it's important to to pick up on what's going on in the office. And, you know, if you don't have an HR team, then you need to equip yourself, not you, but, you know, an off, a workplace. If, if there's not room for an HR team, then it is the job of someone in the office to, you know, equip themselves with emotional health tools to be able to gauge those things. Um, and so I'm really passionate about that. Because and, and actually looking at getting certified in the Enneagram, which is a personality typing system next year, because I've seen so many people's dreams fall short because they can't keep people around. No one's happy in the workplace, so it's not a cohesive team or work environment. And I just think it is so important for people to understand how they're impacting one another because I think their dreams are on the line. The longevity of their business is on the line when a team is not cohesive or emotionally healthy. No, absolutely. And I think, especially as we move forward, there needs to be a greater emphasis on emotional and mental health. Um, Just as a whole, I think there are lots of countries around the world that give more consideration than we do. I think that we need to do a better job of that and and really recognizing those things. Mental health is health. Um, And so when people say I need a mental health day, it's just, I need to take a day off and that's how it should be perceived. Um, And in terms of the workplace environment, you know, if no matter whether you want to hear it or not, if more, especially if more than one person is doing the same thing, like at your job, everyone's quitting or being stressed out, you need to reevaluate how you're approaching things. And that's always changing. You know, especially as you grow, you have to take on 
more people and that's going to change how your environment is too. But as long as you stick to some company values and mission statement and you go back to that and that's how you're evaluating everything in terms of, again, happiness, health and productivity, um, then I think you're able to keep things on track. I totally agree. And it it was as painful and hard as that job was. It is forever a life lesson now that I have a team um, and that as I, as my team changes and evolves because people are there for a season and then they're not, and then you hire someone new. It is so, so important to me to hire a cohesive team and to be extremely in tune. Obviously, like I don't need to um, there, there is a line as a boss of, you know, um, serving your team and being a servant, but, um, at the same time, it's, it's just so important to make sure that peace is there because, you know, not only is it beneficial for them, it's also beneficial for me. And that's what I kept trying to explain, you know, in that environment of like, this isn't just beneficial for your employee's happiness. Like we want to carry your dream with longevity and I, we want to see your organization flourish because it's doing impactful work. It's just the inner workings that are dying, you know? And so, um, I'm just really passionate about that because I ultimately want to see people's dreams um, live on with longevity and health and profitability. And that does come down to how a team functions at its core. I think it's just vitally important. Um, I love our conversation and feel like we just so resonate with one another. Um, But before we go, I would love for you to share about, you know, who have been some mentors for you in this process, whether that's through reading their books or genuine real life connection. You know, I love learning and I know our listeners are always up for a recommendation. So um, I would love for you to share about that. Ooh, okay. Um, I would say personally, um, I always look up to my parents, you know, such hard workers, both incredibly intelligent, but always instilled, you know, being kind to people as a core value. Um, and I also, my, um, my, uh, late grandfather, um, he was also an entrepreneur. He had his own architectural firm and, um, he was just so inspiring to me and everything he was able to do. There's even an apartment building downtown Chicago that is firm built that I can see from one of the train lines. So that's, um, you know, just really wonderful to be able to have that reminder of him still. Um, in terms of other people I look up to, I mean, I do love Michelle Obama. She's yes. so, you know, she's so great. And of course, our yesterday birthday girl, Beyonce, in terms of, <laughs> you know, in terms of those women who just are working so hard to lift others up and just get out there and they're just so boss. Um, <laughs> so, I love it. you know, even just listening to her music is always inspiring for me. Um, books I'm reading right now, um, just started the universe has your back. <gasps> Gabby Bernstein. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's always really great. And just remembering, um, I like to look at things, um, you know, I don't affiliate with any particular religion. I uh, more think of myself as someone who, where do I fit in the universe? Um, <laughs> and how do we all fit in the universe? So I think it's a really interesting read about not only the things you can do to shift your energy, but, um, also what you attract and what fate has in store for you too, in some ways, what type of person you were put on the planet to be. 
Very cool. Yeah, I really like Gabby Bernstein. I've been wanting to pick up some of her books, so yeah. that might be a good yeah. um, audio book for me to pick up to kind of plow through. Yes. But man, Sarah, it has been such a joy to have you on here today. Where can our followers find you um, and find Designer Share? Yeah, so on social media, you'll find us at um, on Facebook, where I think Designer Share LLC, uh, currently an LLC still. Um, for Instagram, we're just at Designer Share, and Twitter, we are at Designer Share underscore. Um, so still working on trying to get the uh, um, branding for that. And then for me personally, um, you can find me at Perky underscore Shy on Twitter and Instagram. So love it. Perky here for Sarah Perkins, and then Shy for Chicago. I love it. Well, it has been such a joy to have you. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you. I had such a great conversation with you. I actually like want to keep connecting. So let's talk more. <laughs> do. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.